everyone. Welcome to One More Prime, the Transformers Watch Along. I am Mike Schwartz, a man who's pulling up the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics website. Hang on. I am joined by my kids, Emmett and Elsa. Hello. Hi. Who are about to learn about inflation. Yay. Okay. We are watching The Core, episode 23 of season 2. At this point in season 2, Devastator and the Constructicons were getting heavily featured. In fact, they were the only Decepticons to appear in all four seasons of the Transformers. I could only imagine the Constructicon toys were heavily sought after in 1985. They were the first combiners of the US toy line, but how much did they cost? Kids, I found some pages online of the 1985 Sears Wish Book. These were glorious giant catalogs of full color photos of all the new toys kids would be begging Santa for that upcoming Christmas. Some of the photos of the Transformers were maybe hastily put together. It was not uncommon to see them improperly transformed, but this gives us a good idea of how much Transformers cost in 1985. So let's look at Devastator. Here's that picture. This is what I'm talking about. Okay. It kind of looks like he put his pants on backwards, maybe. Uh, yes, they are. Oh, 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 that's horrible. <laughs> so, Devastator in the Wish Book cost $34.99. Adjusted for inflation, that would cost today $98.26. Oh. In terms of engineering and plastic quality, plastic quality... It amounts for some of the price, but engineering amounts for most of it. Right. So, nowadays I would not pay that much for a Devastator. <laughs> of that size. Of that size, if yeah. that were the latest thing. If it were mint in box at a convention, nah, nah, yeah. still, still no. Okay, who do you want to look at next? We'll just do a few more. Well, here's Perceptor. Here's your dude, Emmett. Uh, Autobot... His name is Autobot Microscope in the catalog, <laughs> and he was thirteen ninety nine in 1985. That would be thirty nine twenty nine. so kind of... No, 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 no. What size is his new one that's out now? Ooh, the his Voyager? new one is Deluxe, $20. Okay. And there's a lot more posability in it, though. Yeah, all right, so that this one, the old one's actually kind of more... Yeah, okay. But, like... Thirteen ninety nine. That's insanely cheap. It, but like as we see, then. yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll we'll do one more. Um. Oh, let's do Soundwave. So, sound, you know, the Soundwave toy was around forever. Pretty good too. Oh yeah. Okay. That that was sixteen ninety nine back then. That would be forty seven seventy one. Whew. Oh. Man. Okay. So it goes to show that the adjusted prices aren't that different today than in 1985. They, they weren't exactly cheap. I mean, they're beautiful toys and you got what you paid for, but it also explains why I had so many GoBots. Much cheaper. <laughs> this week's guest is Barry Nugent. Barry is the co-host of the long-running podcast Geek Syndicate and the author of the Unseen Shadows series. His newest book, The Middle Grade Adventure, Trail of the Cursed Cobras, is available now. I'll provide a link to his website in the show notes. I'll also add a link to my book, Oceanverse, as mentioned in this episode, if you would be so inclined. Written by Dennis Marks and airing on October 29th, 1985, this is The Core. Okay, everybody, we are here with Barry Nugent. Barry, thank you for joining us. It's a long time coming. <laughs> it is a long time coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Like we were talking about before recording, you know, we've been um, acquaintances across the internet for many, many years, and I, and I think this is the first time we're actually uh, speaking to each other. So it's great to have you. Uh, yeah. So am I, uh, I just I w want to frame a reference. Am I, am I the first UK guest on the podcast? Yes, you are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, Congratulations, you win a prize. Hey, I'm going to come back. We didn't discuss any prizes, Emmett. I, we didn't work that out. The, Do you know how much shipping costs to send the, over there? The real, the real prize is having fun with friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, nice, nice save. Ah, pulled an anime. <laughs> friends the, you made along the way. 
The only time we've had to deal with time zones is uh, three times talking to guests in Chicago. So that was easy. They're just one hour behind us. But you're uh, four hours ahead? Four or five hours ahead? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're here now. Uh, so for those who uh, may not know Barry, and shame on you, uh, Barry is a, a co-host of the very long-running uh, Geek Syndicate podcast, which I've been listening to probably since the beginning, uh, you and Dave Monteith. And um, still going strong. I actually listened to your most current episode, which just went up, I think, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It was yes. No, I think it went out on Friday. Okay, like okay. Yeah. I listened to it yesterday. And and kids, we we know this movie through a, a special effects YouTube channel that we watch, uh, Corridor Crew. But on their last episode, Barry and Dave talked extensively about the movie RRR. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it pains me because we just got rid of Netflix. No. And oh. I, <laughs> I've been looking for ways to get it, but it because it, some it's actually showing in some theaters around oh, yeah. the States. Yeah, but it, I think it's mostly like in New York and L.A. I don't think they have any in, in our area. So it's like, man, I think maybe get the, get a free month because we, we have to watch this movie. I've heard nothing but how it's the most amazing three-hour ride of a movie in history. I mean, I could spend the next 10 minutes reminding you of how good it is, <laughs> but you, you, you don't want that. <laughs> no. It, it's good. It is, it is so good. No, on, on the uh, the Corridor crew, they actually kind of break down some of the visual effects, but but right. it was mostly just them just, just geeking out about what an amazing movie this is. Yeah. Um, Indian movies, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I really should be watching more of these because they all just seem fantastic and just taking cinema to new heights. And, but yeah. but they're also like two and a half, three hours long every single time. It's like, oh, but I've heard this one is you don't even notice it. It just well, well the weird thing I'll, I'll say this quickly before <laughs> the weird thing is when I got told about it, which was via Stace originally, she mm. told me. And she told me it was three hours. And straight away, I was like, well, I'm not, in my head, I was like, I'm not watching that. It's three hours. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll laugh along, but I won't watch that. And then, and then she basically told me about one scene to do with a tiger, which I won't repeat. I think and, we've seen some of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I, I need to at least watch it. At least I, I'll watch it. So then I was like, I'll split it down to parts and maybe I'll watch it for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I went upstairs, I put it on for, I said, I watched the first 20 minutes. After the first 20 minutes, I basically then stopped what I was doing and then came back and watched the whole thing pretty much. <laughs> um, whilst messaging, I was live messaging Stace whilst I was watching it and sending the screenshots going, I can't believe what I'm watching. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and also, uh, besides Geek Syndicate, uh, you are a writer and author. And I am holding a copy of, uh, this is your latest, you're working on the sequel to yes. Trail of the Cursed Cobras? Yes, um, yeah, I'm working on the sequel, which is Vengeance of the Faceless Scholar. How far along are you in that? How's it coming along? Uh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's going all right. I'm on my second draft at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you say to people, they go, oh, that's great. It's going really well then. And then you sort of say second draft is what I tend to call the quicksand draft. Because um, you do get sort of a bit bogged down trying to sort out all the sort of plot details and the character beats and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's getting there. It is getting there. I'm, I'm having fun with it. Um, and, it was, and I really enjoyed, I've never written um, for middle grade fiction before. And uh, I wasn't sure how I would find the process, but I found the process really, really enjoyable. Right. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about the first book, uh, Trail of the Cursed Cobras. Um, so Trail of the Cursed Cobras, it's, it's basically a, you could almost call it Stranger Things for kids. Mm-hmm. Is one way to look at it. Um, because, you know, even though Stranger Things has its focal, focal point is the kids, you know, it is, it's kind of pitched at a 15. It, I think it is a 15 on Netflix. I'm sure it is. Certainly the later seasons are. Um, and I kind of wanted a, something that could appeal to a much wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I sort of sat down to write, one of the things I really wanted to do was I wanted the kids to be normal. Um, a lot of the 
middle grade fiction that I've read, um, and even when I was reading when I was growing up, the kids were always special. You know, they always yeah. went to a special school or yes. they had special powers like Harry Potter or the chosen um, one. Yeah, they're yeah, always exactly, the prophecy. Yeah. 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 Um, and I wanted to basically throw that in the bin. Um, so these are a normal group of kids who get involved in extraordinary circumstances and they go to North London Comprehensive. And you could say some of the things they get up to loose, very loosely based on stuff that I got up to when I was a kid. Um, Dave and I did, in fact, go werewolf hunting. Um <laughs> And we did, in fact, come across, he wasn't a werewolf, it was a, but we did, we did, in fact, come across a very uh, scary individual at the time, <laughs> which is a much longer story. I'm sure Mike will tell you at some point. <laughs> uh, and that was kind of the genesis of the story, really, was just this group of kids that kind of um, investigate weird, weird happenings. And the, the main idea was they'd already uh, had an adventure off screen, or off screen, or off page. Um, yes. When you you were uh, you're you're very good enough to send us like a sample of the first chapter or so, and that's the thing we when we're reading it, it's like oh, there's like so much like they're already talking about stuff that happened, and there was there was like what do you call it? what's the opposite of foreshadowing? It, it it's like flashback. It, yeah, yeah, but it was they kind of touching on things, and that that's what made us want to keep reading. It's like what are they talking about? Like something already happened. It's like, oh, I, we, we got to keep going. Yeah. I, I, well, I think it's because what I sent you is, they. I think you only get that if you get the special edition version of the book. I think that's the one where you're, they're sitting outside the, the going to see the headmaster. Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I quite like the idea of starting the book that way, whereas it, it was almost that... Um, a little bit like Big Trouble Little China, which kind of starts at the end of the film in some ways mm. and it goes back. So it was a kind of similar idea. But then when you get into the book, you sort of realise that these kids have done something else um, even before this book started, um, which is why sometimes you'll see on my social feed, people will be asking me what happened in Norfolk because it's this whole thing that they'd gone on a school trip before the events of this book to Norfolk and something had happened. Yeah. Um, which they now don't talk about. Um, a little bit like they don't talk about Bruno, but there's no song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so that is Trader Cascade. If you like Goonies, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. um, heavily influenced by um, Indiana Jones, that kind of pulp adventure. Um, oh, sure. And it's and set in the 80s. Um, what's not to like? Yeah, that's a fabulous mix. <laughs> uh, how, how can people uh, purchase it if they want to? Um, yeah, it's available um, on Amazon. Um, you can also get it direct from me if you go to baronugent.com. Okay. We, we will put the link in the show notes. Now, this is a good transition to the episode, The Core, because even before uh, me and the kids watched this episode, we were thinking, like, what? It, the, the Core, like, obviously, probably, you know, the center of the earth, kind of thinking like a Jules Verne type adventure. Kind of a pulp adventure, which I know is your specialty. Yes. But Nowadays, it, the core is meant as like a a thing that seems sort of mechanical. It's like a collection of knowledge or something so powerful, something that's guarded by a bunch of other things, the center, the final, the finale. Yeah, like the... The apple core. The core of knowledge or something like yeah. that. But it, it this episode was not any of that. It was more like um uh like a lesson in a workplace competence. <laughs> and, and and lots of button pushing where I was thinking just pushing that same button for 20 times seems to have a completely different effect. Yes. Yep. Well, let's get into it then. Uh this is the core. Written by Dennis Marks. And the one thing, and I, well, oh, one more thing, Barry, before we get mm-hmm. into this. What, what is your history with Transformers growing up? Because um, we, we know that kind of uh, in the middle of the, uh, the, the, the popularity of Transformers, the US and UK storylines kind of split. 
and the UK had their own universe of comics that kind of went on forever. Um, what what do you remember that were were you into them as a kid? Or well, kind of showing my age a bit now. When when Transformers was really big over here, um, I was I think I was sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Um, oh, okay. But I, I, but at the time I was working at, um, we don't really have them anymore, but do you remember, do you guys still have Toys R Us over there? Because a lot of them have closed here. No. It's yeah. gone. Gone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so I, um, I worked over Christmas um, at a massive uh, Toys R Us branch. Um, and it was the year where Transformers was massive in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that where, where I worked, this is nowhere to lie. We used to have like draw lots as to who would work the Transformers out because no oh. one, because no one wanted to work it because it was absolute carnage. You just <laughs> had kids ripping open boxes, and it, uh, it was oh, it was carnage oh <laughs> to the point of you would you'd come down into the break room and you'd sort of see someone sit in the corner shaking. It'd be like. <laughs> Because last check, Transformers are yet. You know, it, oh. it, it was yeah, it it was ridiculous. I couldn't believe how, how like popular it was. So my kind of, I never read any of the comics. I used to watch. Okay. Um, I remember reading, watching some of the cartoons because I remember when the cartoon actually launched over here and watching the first couple of episodes of like the ship crashing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. After that, I think the next thing I remembered was watching the um, Transformers movie, as in the cartoon movie, not the yeah Michael Bay one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember loving the movie. Um, and then obviously after that, my next experience was the, um, the aforementioned Michael Bay Transformers, which are a bit of a sliding scale in quality. Um, yeah, we'll move on from that. Um, so... <laughs> Let's get back to the Natsu... Uh throw shade on anyone's opinions but the good stuff the real stuff <laughs> no no Emmett, the original you, the original you might How's know that? this Emmett. you might know this a, a little more than i do but wasn't it after the movie is where the uk comics kind of started becoming their own thing well i'm not really sure since there were a lot of uk stories even well oh since was, the comics stayed on like Season two of the cartoon stuff, well after 1986. So I'm not yeah. really sure. And there was even a few UK comics that found its way into the US Marvel comics. Oh, okay. So it was this weird blend. But then I know uh, Simon Furman was the writer mostly uh, in in England, and you you can get those the, the collections. They they look really interesting because they they look like UK comics. They're more almost like that watercolory uh, it's hard to describe but it, yes. it, it doesn't look american and, yeah. and even yeah. and even the ones that came over here like if you were just a reader and expecting traditional 80s marvel comics and you see this where like i don't know it's a lot more rendering and just kind of the color choices it it's definitely interesting there's there's a lot of different streams of transformers continuity and just it's interesting to see how some things get left behind and some things get taken from other sources and weaved into current stuff. For example, of being left behind, the mouths and faces in the UK comics. How, like, oddly human they are. Yeah, yeah, they always drew them with more kind of human faces, yeah. Not nearly as robotic. Seems quite disconcerting. A little bit. Yeah, because then they're like getting all ripped apart and like and like Death's Head shows up. Didn't Death's Head premiere in a Transformers comic? I'm not sure. Yeah, but he was in there a lot. So, all right, well, let's get back to the core. Uh, we begin at a waterfall. Nice nature, naturely setting. And yeah. I should say, too, that this this episode is animated by Acom, which is um, the company of the producer of the show, Nelson Shin. And the earlier episodes were mostly animated by, by Toei, a Japanese company. And this is Acom, which is a Korean company known for their um, expediency and cost-cutting measures. So They're... this one does look a little different than 
most of the earlier Transformers cartoons. That's why like it has like a little more Hanna Barbera-ish look to it than than is usual. We'll see that later. Uh, okay. Yeah. But again, like it's a little more simplistic, but I don't know. I kind of like that. The one positive thing about when they do it is that their backgrounds are really nice. They have really good paintings. And even like sometimes they animate the paintings. Like when they throw rocks and stuff, it's not just a cell shaded uh, rock or, or background. But we go below the waterfall and we find a drilling operation uh, manned by the Constructicons. And they seem to be having an issue. Which I had no I which goes to show like my knowledge of Transformers because my first my first thing was like, who are these guys? Because <laughs> <laughs> I I very because I think I remembered the um the dinosaur ones. Um the dino- dinobots. dinobots. Yeah. Dinobots. See, I remember I remember those. Um but I didn't remember the Constructicons. Um and all I, my takeaway of that little clip was like, these guys take their job really seriously. Yes, they do. <laughs> that's what they're built. Well, that's what they were basically built for, depending yeah. on which origin you examine. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, too, because a lot of the ACOM episodes feature the Constructicons. So I, I, maybe that was part of their cost-cutting measure. Like, we already have the designs of this character and characters. So we'll just use a studio to kind of take care. You need Devastator, we'll we'll use a studio. But yeah, I think at this time is when uh, these were sort of the answer to the Dinobots on the Decepticon side. Right. Um, it's he's also, yeah, obviously they formed Devastator, which was the the first uh, combiner that was available as a toy. So maybe well, they were. Well, that depends on how you look at it. I, in if America, you look at it on the Japanese the... side with the Diaclone stuff, it was a bunch of trains and the construct guns. Yes, but Transformers proper. So this this was the the new the new hotness. This was the new thing that they're the new toy they were trying to sell, frankly. And so around this time in the series, we we started to see a lot of Devastator and the Constructicons. But yes, they do take their work seriously, and even so far as uh, they create a crack, the drill creates a crack in in the earth and they go right to it they start sealing it up with with great urgency i do like that <laughs> we gotta seal this up and mix is like we need it like he's using chemistry and and creating this kind of adhesive that needs to be uh sealed in to to shut the crack down and see kids cartoons really do teach you something yes yeah. <laughs> Like how to make gunpowder. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was in a previous episode. It kind of gave the uh, the formula for gunpowder. <laughs> That's it, kids. Go collect that bird poop. Yeah. Uh, classic 80s, that is. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Constructicons are successful in sealing the crack, but uh, Megatron's not very happy about it. Uh, he starts arguing with uh, Scavenger, who seems to be the foreman of the operation. He said, you should have seen this earlier. And he says his, um, I wrote this down, his geologic analyzer circuits are on the fritz. So he has um, a Mixmaster take him up and get sorted out. Yeah, that so was a bit... It doesn't happen this, again. Yeah, that was, that was a bit... Yeah, take him outside and get him sorted. And I thought, <laughs> so what... And then there's a shot of them kind of basically up, stand next to the waterfall, and he's kind of, here you go, good as new. And I was kind of like, so what happened then? Did you just take him for a drive or... Is it, yeah. is it was it the sun or I didn't actually see any work being done with him. <laughs> it, it, just... it was his lunch break for working in the Transformers aisle. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. <see? laughs> Maybe. I, I can relate to that. You need a break. Let's talk. <laughs> They're getting fixed, and then uh, Megatron and Starscream are kind of and again, Starscream is always the um, the thorn in Megatron's side, and he's basically telling him this is a terrible idea. And Starscream even picks up a, a like a, a boulder just out of the side of the wall and explains a perfect cylinder, uh, uh, sphere boulder. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I I loved that bit. I almost felt that should have been, you know, those eighty shows where at the end, the the um one of the characters would come on and explain to kids what the moral of the story of today's story was. Yeah, yeah. it felt like it was suddenly one of those bits where it was almost like. Starscream sort of turned into the screen. So, hey kids, 
just so that you know, drilling into Earth's core is really, really bad. <laughs> this is what could happen. Hey, kids, if you don't try drilling to the center of the Earth, otherwise you and your family will die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, cartoons really do teach you something. Yeah. Everyone you love is gone <laughs> in the blink of an eye. Well, that's and and they go there. Uh, Starscream seems generally concerned about the planet, and they Megatron takes them. He's like, you know, I already thought of this. And they get in this weird yellow beam and they just kind of float to the surface, uh, even though they, they can fly. But they go to the top <laughs> and Megatron uh, takes them to this uh, kind of hideaway brick wall or not brick wall, a uh, rock wall on the side of a mountain. And he has a space bridge stowed away. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And he basically tells Starscream that, you know, if this doesn't work out, we can get out of here and the earth will blow up and we'll be fine. Secret entrance in a Mario game. Yeah, I, I like this because it really kind of goes to show Megatron's overall plan. So they the the primary goal of the Decepticons is not to get home. Like the Decepticons kind of always have a way to get home uh, through a space bridge or even now that uh, Astrotrain shows up. So he's a space shuttle that can just fly them to Cybertron. So that's... Shockwave's just... Yeah, they're waiting. not stranded. Uh, the right. Autobots are maybe a little more stranded, but now they have Omega Supreme and he can turn into a space shuttle. So Megatron's just around to suck Earth dry of its energy by any means possible. So like he's... You know, he's tried solar, he's tried oil. He's tried he's, absorbing the sun's power. Oh, yeah. And and now he's he's actually going to the center, the, the molten core of Earth. And uh, I think he just wants enough energy to have enough power to go back to Cybertron and kind of take it over once and for all. Actually, the core of the Earth is not molten. It is solid. Well, the outer core is molten. I don't want to be the nerd, but I thought that, well watching this episode all right well megatron doesn't know that Cl clearly he just kind of thought of this idea last week and there again all these accidents are happening and clearly none of that is scientific about no. the, the distances it's all wrong yes and shouldn't the drill be lowering well yeah so i had to look this up and for, and sorry, Barry, I'm going to work in miles, not That's okay. kilometers. Okay. Now I know miles. That's fine. Okay. Good. Good. So yeah, I looked it up, and from the surface to the core of the Earth is about 1,800 miles. And I looked it up, like, well, how does that relate to space? Now, technically, to get to outer space is 65 miles. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> I have this chart here. So like a lot of uh. A lot of satellites are, say, like uh, maybe 600 to 1,200 miles. Um, space shuttles go maybe about 400 miles up at the most. The, it, the ISS is about 250 miles above. So this, getting to the center of the Earth is way further than even objects, satellites, and uh, space stations in space. So I just pictured this impossibly long drill like the decepticons <laughs> you know like the 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 governments of the world it's like what is going on over here there seems to be this giant drill kind of teetering in space nothing to see here. knocking it's, out silence yeah. yeah nothing to see here not just an <laughs> evil plot of the week it's it's just a science project yeah trust me it, well, it's for experimental purposes that that was because i actually you know i don't often which is probably uh, i don't often take notes for any podcast that i do because i'm <laughs> rubbish at taking notes but i've literally written down in capital capital letters where are the world's governments when all this is going on <laughs> yeah because i kept thinking like they've just made a crack in the earth there's all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff going on obviously we'll get onto what happens right at the end but i kept thinking is there like no nasa or no one notices anything <laughs> in in previous episodes uh it's usually the earth scientists kind of confer with optimus prime they all seem to have like a like a uh, the red phone to, they all to, have uh, his the, phone number to, yeah they all have his phone number right and if, in case something's up they'll talk to optimus prime but but really you know, Decepticons have taken over cities. They have uh, brought Cybertron toward Earth, causing this like geological storms. 
And maybe once or twice you've seen maybe like a fleet of jets attacking. But <laughs> Sometimes the mayor comes up and he was like, he was only there like once or twice. Yeah, usually like a mayor gets involved, but never a president <laughs> or the UN. Um, this is a Giants robots problem, not ours. Yeah, really. Yeah, Giant robots like, problem, not ours. Don't worry about it. Our wow. stance is that we assume that there's still good guy robots that can fight the bad guy robots, and they usually take care of it in about 22 minutes, so we're good. <laughs> right, so basically their, their whole sort of is delegation, that's it. Yes, yes. Okay. We find the Autobots, and this is kind of a, an interesting team. This is, um, who do we have here? We have Gears, Jazz, Sunstreaker, Prowl, who's colored gray for some reason. Usually he's white, and Mirage. I was confused why he was colored gray. Like, wait, is that Blue Streak? No. Yeah, it's confusing enough that a character named Blue Streak is usually gray or silver. But uh, the guy that's usually white is gray this time. But yeah, they find the aforementioned Mixed Master and Scavenger just kind of taking a break by the waterfall. Talking. And then they know that something's up. Um, yeah, they notice that the river has been diverted and that the 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 waterfall is using to power something. So it's not natural beauty, it's artificial. Yes. I think um my sort of thing that confused me to begin with was um so one of them is jazz, isn't it? So I'm yes. Now. Yeah, and what confused me is because obviously I haven't watched a Transformers cartoon in I, I do not know how many years. And um I had forgotten that the guy who does the voice of jazz also did the voice of um, a character called Hong Kong Fury. Yes, Scatman Carruthers. Yeah. So my first thought was it all driving along and Jazz is chatting. I'm like, why is Hong Kong Fury in the car? <laughs> yeah, I looked that up because, uh, you know, people may know Scatman Carruthers. Also, he was in The Shining. And uh, he also was a jazz musician, which I found some of his music on uh, Apple mm. Music. And he was very old when he was, I believe he was maybe in his 70s by the time he was recording jazz. Okay. But he's got a great voice. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was an older fellow back then. Wow. So, the, yeah, the Autobots are figuring out the plan. And then the Decepticons figure out that the Autobots are around. And uh, then basically Megatron is like, we're going to the surface. We're taking care of this right away. And they have, uh, he orders the Constructicons to form Devastator. One of the first and many times we'll see them form in a Devastator. And he, he throws a rock at the Autobots. <laughs> Knocks them off the cliff. Um, Mirage gets blasted and he kind of does like a <laughs> very comical tumble down, down the hillside. Even so far, here you go. Here's some pulp adventure for you, Barry. He grabs hold of like the one tree growing out of the side of a mountain. <laughs> that one tree, always. Just like Indiana Jones, yeah. you know, The Last Crusade. This time it's a lot bigger since it's a robot hanging on. If Mirage was wearing a hat, it would kind of like float you know, to the <laughs> yeah. surface. I, mean, I also quite like the fact that even though he's fallen to presumably he's deaf, he's got enough time to tell us that, well, they're not going to find my broken body because I'm going to switch on whatever he turned on. I'm guessing that's why it's called Mirage, which is what I yep. was wondering. Um, so he kind of disappears. But I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think that would be my primary concern if I was tumbling to my death. So Mirage turns invisible, which is that's his thing. It forms that little cube. But I also love how you can still see his footprints. So, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're an observant Decepticon, you can still yeah. see what's going on. The Autobots, uh, they take down Devastator uh, very much uh, like a like an Imperial Walker style. They kind of tie him up and knock him over. So the Autobots, after kind of escaping with uh, taking down Devastator, they go back to the Ark and they're explaining to Optimus what's going on. And uh, and then we see a chip chip chase. Uh, Spike's best friend, who we don't we don't see Spike this entire episode. This is an all chip. He's the only human in this episode. Oh, this is what? the kid in the kid in the wheelchair, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Who it's it's been a while since we've seen him last. I believe it was um Megatron's master plan. Yeah, where he uh he sees the Autobots, uh they get banished from Earth and the rocket goes past his glasses and he kind of sheds a tear. That long ago? That was a while ago. Mm -hmm. But I like Chip, he's resourceful. And his eyes are a different color this episode. Yeah. They're blue. I think so. Yeah. With this studio, they, they coloring consistency is not their strength. And like Optimus <laughs> has a weird white backpack. 
Yeah. Usually it's red. But Chip comes up with an idea. He he um, he creates these. And this kind of sounds like more of a device for a villain. They're called Dominator Discs. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And his idea is to go back and to place these on each of the Constructicons, and then they can take control of Devastator. And then that would help turn the tide into this uh, this drilling uh, crisis. I, I did like the um, after they kind of layered it out to Optimus, he turns around and says, assemble a commando raiding party. And I've said, I've, yeah. written, it, I've written it down because I've kind of like on one, that's possibly the coolest phrase I've heard this year. And I'm going yes. to nick that and use that in some sort of team meeting where I'm just going <laughs> to assemble a commando raiding party and then just sign off. Um, yeah. But also, like, I'm like, assemble, when he says it, I'm like, oh, it's great. I, I don't know what that means, but this is really cool. And so basically, what it means is everyone just goes. So like, yeah, everyone just, just goes back. Everyone just goes back, but this time it's at night. Yeah. So, yeah. So with, Iron come on back there. with Iron Man thrusters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they pull out this trick where they all have these kind of rocket hands. Like that wouldn't be heard from a mile away. <laughs> They've done this in episodes previous where they try to be sneaky and they even optimistic like kind of shh. And then they just kind of lay waste. They they take their guns out and just start blowing up rocks and <laughs> devices and everything. They they sneak five seconds of stealth is about as much as any uh, both sides will get. So then Ironhide freezes the waterfall, which causes the drill to overheat. And and the Constructicons, who are you know they're they're on the ball. They they yeah. notice it right away. Several yeah. things about that. Yeah. The cool transition with like the frozen waterfall turning upside down to yeah, match the shape of the drill. Yeah, yeah, right. I noticed that too. That's very cool. Where yeah, the yeah, it's a frozen waterfall, and then the kind of image rotates, and then it kind of fades into the drill. But another thing, wouldn't the drill just be molten? Since like it's super hot, whatever it's made of, it's strong. I yeah. You know, it's again how this is inaccurate. Yeah, the uh, Constructicons are they they begin to to flee their uh, base of operations, and this is where the Autobots place the all the Dominator discs onto the Constructicons, and it very successful. They're Stunning very accuracy. They yeah. put it at the. I love how they put it at their tip of their gun, and it doesn't destroy it; it just propels it <laughs> onto them. <laughs> Like like that one double gun that Mirage has. Yeah. And so job well done. And uh, they get in this weird triangular cage that Optimus is pulling him up on, which you've never seen before. Again, <laughs> stealthy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Seems a lot of effort that. <laughs> um, but as they're slowly going into Optimus's trailer, uh, Starscream notices him and he's uh, he's taking aim. He's like, this is too easy. And then that's the cliffhanger. We go to commercial one. Dynamental ducks. Yes, he called. Yeah. So we come back and Starscream is about to take to take him out. But Megatron says, no, it, it's better to let them go and think that they have control of Devastator. But actually, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let them think that they have it for a while. Megatron didn't tell because he wanted genuine reactions. So they haven't told yet. Right. Haven't okay. Haven't showed the thing yet. So Megatron lets the Autobots get away and think they have the upper hand. And then the Decepticons start fighting with the Autobots. This is where they activate uh, Devastator and uh, where he's under the Autobots control. And this is a cool shot where you kind of see Devastator going in between two mountains and you kind of have this shadow. Scaling. It show, Yeah, it shows how big he should be. Or should not be. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like, like he jumps up on a cliff and doesn't tumble off of it. Yeah. Like Devastator's scale tends to vary wildly. I mean, they're all construction vehicles, so they're pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so he was starting a Bruticus. Arms oh, a space shuttle. <laughs> so Devastator, he picks up Optimus Prime almost like he's uh maybe this is kind of like a subliminal marketing where he's like, hey kids, you can have an Optimus <laughs> Prime toy too, just like Devastator. 
<laughs> but when he picks him up and, and Chip... And Devastator. Yeah. And then, so, uh, Chip activates the device, and uh, Devastator gets electrified, and now he's under the Autobot's control. Which then leads to, um, again, referring to my, my notes, where I've literally written, this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> because... You then get this great scene where effectively the Autobots have won and they yeah. trap, you know, they trap Decepticons behind you know, a load of boulders or whatever. Yes. And then one of them says, oh, let's, you know, let's go and finish them off. And then um, Prime's like, nah, don't worry about it. We'll leave them. We'll come back. Let's go back, get ourselves a bit sorted, maybe get some tea, get a bit of dinner. And then we can come back and finish them off. And I thought, why? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make sense because they they just lock them in with the drill. Like they're just, he just put them back where they were in the first place. It is in, in my mind now, Dave, now they then go off to, um, do you guys have Nando's over there? No. Okay. So we'll say McDonald's then. McDonald's is easier. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. They will go to McDonald's for dinner <laughs> and they're all sitting around having a Big Mac and maybe like Jazz says to like, you know, do you think we should go and check them? No, no, let's get a McFlurry first. We'll have those and then we'll go back. Yeah. The ice cream machine's out of order. Oh man, can, <laughs> yeah. we, get sl- can we get slushies? Not sure. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, as they're taking their, their break, uh, the Decepticons just go right back to what they were doing. They <laughs> they start drilling again. Um. And even so far as where the, the drill is starting to crack apart the mountain. And it's we, we go back to the Autobots uh, who are in the arc and uh, it's it's splitting the arc in half. <laughs> so, like, again, uh, world governments and e- even like <laughs> geological societies should notice that this this is like ripping apart ancient spacecraft too that's in, that's stuck in a volcano. Maybe we should check <laughs> this out. <laughs> yeah. It could be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse us if we have any noises on our end. There is a cat on a table. Okay. That's oh, weird. Who, that's he right. Up. Okay. As someone who has two cats, I completely understand. Now, maybe see one of the weirdest things no, in this episode. <laughs> the the combiner without a head. Oh yeah. Devastator I... without a head. Is just so weird because a lot of it hook forms the top part of the torso, yet it just transforms into the head. I knew that was going to bother you, Emmett. Yeah, the in the toy and e- even in the design of Devastator, Hook does not form the head. He's already in the torso section. That's what Prowl does in IDW. Oh not yeah. Hook. Yes. Um, they see what's the Autobots see what's going on, and I like how they just run out of the arc, and they go back to the drilling site. Where Devastator crashes through, and um, this is, I, I guess, now the Autobots, their, their commando. What, what do they call it? Their commando unit. The the, <laughs> yeah. the commando raiding party. Yeah. Now they decide to go back <laughs> and finish the job, but now it's it's too far gone. And Megatron presses his device, which now Devastator's back on the Decepticon side. Uh, poor Chip gets buried behind another wall of boulders. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Megatron laughs into commercial two, so we're almost done. Megatron does not finish them off because uh, the drill starts to starts to break, and like he gets sprayed with, he gets kind of gets splashed with water. <laughs> it, it's a really funny My shot. My only weakness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm he... melting. <laughs> Uh, you, you laugh, Barry, but uh, he has he has been too wet to keep fighting in some episodes. Sometimes really? he gets sprayed. He's sprayed with foam. It's like we're going to rust retreat. <laughs> he's been hit with a vertigo ray from a brachiosaurus. Yeah, there's there's been some times where again you would you would kind of weigh your options. I was like, guys, I think we can still defeat the Autobots even if we get splashed by water. <laughs> he's been hit in the chest with one. Blast and he collapses. One on the, guy on too the, on the ground. Yeah, it's one guy. Yeah, he's like, clearly they have the upper hand. We need to retreat. <laughs> we gotta keep the show going. <laughs> wow. 
but they they're undeterred they keep going uh but but devastator he's now like completely out of control uh he's he's on his own he's picking up starscream uh throwing him into the um the control panel which he's, con- he's confused because of the old ask your mom ask your dad thing yeah, which happened to yeah. me yesterday. Yeah. Listen to. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Yes, it happened to me yesterday. <laughs> and and Megatron, he's like, well, we got to split. And this is where, yeah, the very kind of Scooby Doo, Hanna Barbera esque kind of shot where um, Megatron and Starscream are just kind of running across the frame, <laughs> yeah. very side profile. And they they make their way to the space bridge. They're like, well, I'm glad I built this thing. <laughs> and uh, they're ready to go. But then Devastator just flies through the mountain and right through the middle of the space bridge, which um, which kind of deactivates it. Oh, and also I noticed that, yeah, Megatron and Starscream fall on the space bridge control panel. So now it, it truly won't work. Okay. Oh no. Update. The cat has taken over my chair completely. <laughs> Emma is now standing and the cat is sitting and giving himself a bath. Classic cat move. Oh yeah. So the drill's gone crazy. The space bridge won't work. And Megatron sees the only option now is to work together. But only this once. We're all in this together. Uh and then they they combine their devices. Is that what they do? They combine yeah. both the, of their the devices. Frequencies. Yeah. Hmm. They combine the frequencies to bring Devastator back under control. Because I'm, I'm sure that's how that works. Yeah. Just a lot of button pressing is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same button. But before that, I like how Starscream just kind of goes crazy and just runs at Devastator for no reason <laughs> and gets blasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what was happening there. The drill is now two minutes to the core. And, uh, you know, time kind of progresses very quickly. because Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. The Constructicons form Devastator one more time. And then they, they fly down into the, the hole, uh, drilling into the core. And they, uh, with one second left, they, they destroy the drill. Because two minutes, ten seconds. One second, one second, one second. Yeah, because it's a bit where, yeah, that was a bit I thought when um, uh, Megatron sort of goes, one second. And yeah. then you see, then there's a shot of him running off. And I'm kind yeah, of he like, takes off. I'm pretty sure one second. Uh, just a second. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure wherever, you, wherever you're going, it's, it's, you're not going to have enough time, mate. Where was he going? I don't know. Because the space bridge can't um, work. Um, I think he was one like, second. Yeah. To tell Astro Train. Yeah, maybe. He's just sitting in the corner like, I'll take a nap. Call me when you need me. Yeah, we, we just see yeah, we see him and the Decepticons fall out. So I think he was just kind of cutting their losses. And like no matter what happens, even if the Earth blows up, if De- Devastator doesn't succeed, um, we'll just be as far away from here as possible. <laughs> um but yeah, Devastator quite uh heroically punches the drill. I like that shot where he's kind of punching the boulders as he's falling yeah. in free fall. And uh, yeah, he saves the day. And But then he's like, nah, nah, son, I'm, I'm still a bad guy. I'm still a Decepticon. And it breaks Chip's heart. We, we go out on a very emotional moment where he, Chip's just like, he puts his head down. He's like, man, I thought for a minute Devastator could have been an Autobot. Aww. And Optimus, ever the father figure, delivers the, the, the final line of the show where he says, hang on to your dreams, Chip. The future is built on dreams. Hang on. It's kind of a down note, but uh, Optimus kind of reassures Chip and, and us, the viewers, who, you know, I think everyone likes Devastator. He's kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe one day he'll turn good. Uh, and that's it. That is the core. So, um... Barry, as our guest, we we usually this is the time of the episode where we rate the episode uh, one through ten energon cubes. Your score will not be held against you, nor will it be remembered. We don't write these down. <laughs> but as as our guest, you can go first. So um, being one of the first Transformers episodes you watched in a long time, what did you think of the core? Well, as I said, I I 
I really enjoyed it actually. Um, mm-hmm. It is sort of wackiness, uh, but at the same time, it's it's that thing of it reminded me of being because obviously I would been watching these as a kid, and it really took me back to being a kid in the eighties um, and watching these sorts of shows. Um, and one of the things, I mean, we haven't touched on, but that you probably already know, it's very much. I'm a massive fan of um, music and soundtrack scores and and all sorts. Oh, and yes. One and one of the things I took away from this was like I loved the the score, the music in this was really mm-hmm. good, um, to the point of it kind of elevated some of the more ridiculous bits. In, yes, in this episode, and I really, really, I absolutely loved the um, the scene with Devastator when he's kind of going after the draw. It almost there's a there was a super I can't remember which Superman series it was. If it was the Lois and Clark one. But I remember a similar one where he, he was kind of, but he was he was the drill. He was kind of drilling through the earth to get to like a missile or to stop a nuclear missile or something. Oh, As, okay. Um, so it really reminded me of that. And I genuinely thought, because I have no context for that character, I thought he was dead. So when it all blew up and stuff, I actually thought he was dead. It seems um, sacrificial, like a like an yeah. Iron Giant moment or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you sort of oh. came out, I was kind of, I was quite surprised. I think I even did a little fist bump with the ear when he came out. He did, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, then I'm alive. But then he's just yeah. like, I'm not working for you. <laughs> and he takes yeah. off. <laughs> I don't work for the man. <laughs> <laughs> Do my own thing. Um, so I, I probably, I'd probably give it a seven. Okay. Yeah. Kids, do you, you want to you go? Emma, you can go first. Yes, I would like to go, and I would like to give it a five out of ten. Okay. It, just because we've watched Transformers episodes in the past before, and it's like, this one was okay. It had a genuine plot. It had a bunch of tropes, errors, mm-hmm. like a Skywarp to Thundercracker to Starscream's voice. Oh, the co- oh, coloring and voice changes, yeah. Yes, and... The whole, if you don't see the timer, it's on a scale of its own. <laughs> Two minutes, and then you don't see the timer. Ten seconds, don't see the timer. One second. The, on the computer screen, there was a timer at the top of it, which was counting down, and we could see it, the little dot of Devastator flying down next to the drill, if you look closely. Wow. Yeah, yeah there was, yeah. It's a little detail that's, that's yeah. kind of fun. But I would say five out of ten, just... It's an episode. Yeah. Also, what do you think? Um, update the cat has taken over my chair. <laughs> and I would say six out of ten. Um, yeah, I it was lacking uh more entertainment than like the other episodes that we've watched. Yeah. It it was okay. <laughs> okay. I tend to agree. Being that, you know, we watch so so many episodes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go five because I think this this doesn't benefit from us watching episodes like a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court where they travel back in time to the time of Camelot and they literally have robot jousting competitions and uh, castle sieges and wizards powering up the Autobots with lightning, dragons... Uh, and you didn't think to give me that episode to watch? We already covered it. We already it. did it. If, if, if we'd have known, I know, I'm sorry. But, I, you know, they're all available on YouTube. You should check it out. What's that one called? It's called A Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court. It is a few episodes before this one, okay. season two. Um, there are a lot of Transformers episodes where it's like, how did they fit so much plot in a 22 minutes? And I, I think my key criticism with this episode is that it, it doesn't have that. There's kind of a lot of doubling back. Like we go to the drill, then we co- go back, have a Big Mac, then go back to the drill, <laughs> then kind of. So it, it just kind of bouncing. And, and even yeah. with the core itself, again, I was maybe expecting a little Jules Verne exploration going like going into the earth or something else rather than they're just drilling for energy. So with that but but on a positive note i know the acom animation has its criticisms and and well earned but sometimes i i do like the the simplistic design and it's it's a it's almost like like comfort food i think um 
I'm kind of appreciating them more than I thought I would as we watch these episodes. Um, and that's not to take away from the other episodes, because actually, the like the Toei ones, I think, are more expertly animated and are like, you know, technically more well done. But uh, these are OK. It, it almost conjures more of yeah, like watching these as a kid because they almost seem more like a kid cartoon where the other ones are a little a little more advanced and more um, sophisticated animation. Animated. Big kids. Yeah, more for big kids. Yeah. And me, the big kid watches shows like Amphibia, The Owl House, and Gravity Falls. Uh, yes. Ooh, Gravity big Falls. Big shows. <laughs> Love Gravity Falls. Yes. No matter what, it just always ends on a Disney show. How does that happen? I know. <laughs> and after finishing The Owl House, it, it is now officially my favorite TV show. <laughs> well, we're not covering that now. No. Um, so yeah, and and Barry, I, I will send you the link. Also, I will send you a YouTube link. Someone has actually isolated um, all the the uh, the music, the incidental music. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll I'll have to find it because like sometimes I'm cutting the grass or something. It's like I really want to hear the heavy metal war soundtrack, and yeah, it's on there. It it's funny too because like how they edit it and chop it through episodes. It's like they they reuse the same music over and over. But yeah, I I, I do love this music. Uh, so before we sign off, Barry, is there is there anything else you want to plug? Anything coming up um, that we haven't covered? Um, or give a recommendation of what to watch or listen to or read? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We will, we will. <laughs> That's the only recommendation I'm giving to anyone for the rest of this year. Okay. <laughs> Barry, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you know what? I will plug. A lot of people don't know, but uh, you appeared in a comic that I drew and get ready, get ready for this uh, over 10 years ago. Wow. I know. I'm 10 know. years old. The, the Kickstarter campaign was over 10 years old. Wow. That's madness. Yeah. So for those for those listeners, uh, I did a I created a web comic called Oceanverse, which was uh, it was a web comic that was sort of like, again, a pulp adventure um about a crew in a submarine basically having adventures and it ran for about three years and and kind of the big season finale uh longest story i ever did was called london attack but don't and spoil it i'm not spoiling anything because i'm gonna provide a, a link to where you could purchase a copy of Oceanverse. it's very uh, good trust me but I, I brought in Barry as as Dr. Nuge, who was kind of this adventurer scientist, um, uh, kind of living below uh, St. James's Park in London uh, and kind of keeping control of things. And, and eventually a giant robot's involved and it's it fights a giant sea monster uh, along the Thames. And uh, that was that was some of the mo most fun I've had. And uh, Barry, you know, thank you for. Uh, signing off on, on your, your likeness rights. <laughs> well, you know, as I said, it's, you know, it's a, it's very true to my own life. Cause, um, you know, I, I don't live under St. James, but you know, my, <laughs> my, my headquarters is secret. I do have a fedora. Yeah. Yeah. He has a fedora and kind of like a ruffled ascot sort of, uh, like a leather, a leather vest. Uh, so not, not that, not too far away from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Also, fun fact, Emmett was in Oceanverse when I he know. was a yeah. baby. Yeah, at, at the end, at the end, uh, I drew my family in the, in the final strip. A and, Google, uh, a Gaga. Yeah, Emmett, Emmett was a baby, and it was even before Elsa was along. Yeah, so. so I wasn't in there. You said that you drew your whole family there, but I wasn't there. By the time I collected it, I added you in the dedication. Oh, yeah. So, okay. but in the next thing I'm working on, which I am actively working on, and I'll I'll share some more later. But uh, yeah, not a, you're a co-creator of that story, so yeah. But yes, uh, I will provide a show link where if uh, if anyone's interested, I still have copies of the collected edition, which is a nice. very nice. Uh, um, you know, the pages are sepia toned. It has a kind of brown ink to give it that vintage look. It has uh, spot gloss on the front cover. It's I I'm very proud of it. So as well you should um, be. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's it's I have plenty of copies if uh, if you wish to buy one. I donate a couple copies to my school, and in my free time, I like to show some of my some of my friends the acknowledgments. Just like I'm right <laughs> there, and there's my mo my mom and my grandma, 
and my great grandpa and me yep. and my brother. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's all that's all I wanted to end it on. So um I uh who knows, maybe Dr. Nuge will return in some way. But uh we'll we'll figure something out, I think. But uh and of course you're ha- you yourself are happy to return uh for another episode. Uh, we're I'll, happy to have you back. If you if you have me, I'll come back. I'll try to find maybe some other um England based. I don't I don't know if they ever go back into into Camelot. They have Trans Europe Express. Oh, okay. Well we'll see. And then maybe I'll have on your co host uh one time, you know, if, if uh you know you'll if you'll allow for that. <laughs> if if you must. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't have one without the other. No, I suppose not. All right. Well, Barry, thanks again for joining us. And uh, thanks all for listening. And hope you join us next week for an all new One More Prime. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.